You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Open in your Bibles. Um, we're going to be uh, telling the story of Philip uh, in the book of Acts. And his story starts in Acts 6, but the portion of scripture that we're going to be reading uh, starts in uh, towards the end of Acts 8. So if you want to open your Bibles, turn to Acts 6 or Acts 8. Um, that's, that's totally perfect. Um, it helps to, to follow along. The scripture's too long to put up on the, on the screen this time. So I encourage you to do that. We're just going to be walking through this story of a, an individual in the book of Acts that uh, gives us an idea of what it, what it means to follow God, uh, especially through disruptions, distractions, and detours. So to turn, turn in your Bibles. Um, at Bethel, we've been talking about what it means to be people that carry hope. Uh, just like, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the service, you know, our, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So what is that? How does that change our lives? How do we um, share that good news with others in a way that is encouraging and, and not so, you know, sometimes it can be so scary to think about sharing, you know, sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, but you, know, you think you need to have a special formula or a special idea of exactly how to say it. You got to get the words just right. But, but we've been talking about what it means to just be people of hope in a hopeless time. And, and we've been going through these five ways to carry hope into our relationships, our interactions in our lives uh, during, during this, this giant detour and, and even just in our own lives. So um, <clears throat> I'm reminded that, uh, you know, the Bible says um, the feet on the mountains that bring good news are beautiful. So how can we have, have beautiful feet during, during even this? Um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day. And he was saying, you know, everybody keeps saying, uh, that this whole situation that we're in, that it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, the idea is that we don't know, uh, you know, how long this is going to be. Don't, don't tire yourself out trying to solve all the world's problems. You know, it's a marathon pace yourself. It's not a sprint, but, but he was like, you know, every time I hear that from somebody, I think, but, but that's not true. Um, at least when you're running a marathon, you know where the finish line is. You know, you, you might be hitting the wall in the marathon, but you know that, that uh, 30 minutes from now, 10 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, you're going to hit that finish line and you can stop and rest and arrive. You know, but, but we're in the middle of this season where we don't know how much further there is to go. We don't have times or dates to point to. And, and even when things start to return uh, to normal, it's going to look way different. It's not going to be normal. Um, you know, even the hopes we have about the end, you know, it's, it's going to look different. And there's this deep desire that I have, and maybe you do too, is to just put life on pause right now and to think forward to someday when everything's better. You know, for me as a pastor, um, I have this, this desire, this weight sometimes to just like, let's just think about what it's going to look like when we're done with all of this. And we'll just kind of go into sleep mode for a while. And, and just sort of get through this. You know, if you ever seen that, that Adam Sandler movie a long time ago where he had the, the remote that could control time. You know, I just want to fast forward through this. 
because it feels so painful and so useless. And <clears throat> so I think a, a lot of us are in that spot where we just want this detour to, to be done. Um, and maybe, maybe just to gut it out and hope the end of the race comes soon so that we can get back to, to normal, to normal life. And uh, the question I think for me and that God's been putting on my heart, as much as I so desire that, um, God keeps telling me, but, but Todd, this is life. This is your normal for now. So what does it mean for you? What does it mean for me to be a hope person in the middle of this, this situation? How can I be somebody that's carrying good news? How can we as the church, as people that believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, how can we carry good news even in this? And, and really, you know, this is convicting to me that, that God's been saying to me is like, if you can't figure this out, is it really good news? If your good news doesn't count in the middle of a pandemic, if your good news doesn't count in the middle of illness or stay at home or fear or worry, then how good is that news? And so I, I've been reminding myself that, that God's good news is bigger than any of this. And so <clears throat> our scripture today tells a story of somebody named Philip. And, and I connected with Philip this week because his life never goes how it's planned. Uh, as you read the story, we don't know much about Philip, but we know that basically everything he's planned to do gets interrupted by something outside of his control. And I found that encouraging. And in Acts, we find him, you know, if we find him yanked and pulled and detoured away from every important task he's ever had. It's frustrating, right? But somehow, <clears throat> In the middle of those detours and distractions, Philip manages to be in just the right place at just the right time to make a tremendous difference, not only in the life of one person, but in the whole story of the gospel spreading throughout the world. Uh, and, and it's amazing because God makes that happen. And, and so his story, like I said, comes from the book of Acts chapters 6 and 8. And in the whole story, when you're done here, uh, sit down and read the whole thing. The whole story is worth reading, but I'm just going to kind of run through it as quickly as possible. Um, <clears throat> but it, it starts, uh, we first meet Philip. The very first time we meet Philip, uh, we can presume that maybe he was traveling to Jerusalem when Peter preached the gospel for the first time and he joined the church in Jerusalem. But that's all we really know. Maybe he's from Jerusalem. Maybe he's from somewhere else. But we know that in Philip's life, he had an encounter with the gospel, with that story that Jesus didn't stay dead. And because of that truth, Philip decided that changed everything for his life. And so he joined the very first church in the city of Jerusalem. And in the very first church in the city of Jerusalem, there were people from all over. They spoke different languages. They were travelers. Not a lot of them were even from Jerusalem. And so one of the things they did was they, they formed a community together. And they actually, everyone sold everything that they had put it in one big pot and use those proceeds to care for the community. You know, a lot of travelers, some people from Jerusalem, some people not. These are people that are now getting, uh, their families are turning their backs on them. It was a big conflict to, um, to get to know Jesus. And so Philip, you can imagine, joined that first church. Well, in the very first church, Acts 6 records the story of the very first church fight. And like all good church fights, it was about food. You see, there were two groups of widows in 
in that first church. There were a group of, of Jewish Christian widows who mostly spoke Greek, and there were a group of Jewish Christian widows who, who mostly spoke uh, maybe Aramaic and some of the, and maybe Hebrew and some of those other, other languages. And so they were two separate cultures that were kind of being brought together. And there was some conflict. One group of widows, uh, people were like, hey, our widows aren't getting taken care of in this food distribution. They're getting missed. They're getting ignored. And, and the fight starts to boil up. Like you think about Philip, right? Oh, here we go. We got this great new church. We're all sharing everything together. And if, if you're like me, you're like, oh, but I guess, I guess we're still going to fight. I guess we're still going to have conflict. And Philip's in the middle of that. Uh, the apostles are worried because this conflict is getting heated and it's taking more and more of their time. And they say, you know, we've got to, we've got to, they do good leadership. Jesus disciples, the, the apostles, they, they do the, another thing. So, so you, you won't believe it, right? But the very first church, one of the very first things that happens is there's a big church fight over food. And the solution to that fight, uh, I kid you not, read it, is a committee. That's right. They come up with a committee. Uh, the disciples uh, choose uh, seven people to solve this problem. He says, uh, you know, and the Lord said, form a committee. And so uh, Philip is one of these seven men who gets chosen to solve this food distribution problem. So the apostles, they pray for them. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, Philip gets this special job serving food. Interestingly enough, um, we don't hear anything in Acts about whether or not he did that job, what it was like to do that job, or even if they solved the problem. Because almost immediately, um, one of those seven people, a man named Stephen, gets caught by the religious authorities in Jerusalem and they execute him immediately, right? Here's Philip. His life is his messed up once when he meets Jesus. That changes everything when he meets the community. Uh, and now his life is messed up again when he gets a new job. And again, he can't even do the job because here he is getting, uh, there's this persecution happening and this big disaster happens and it causes everyone to run away. So Philip, uh, he runs away to Samaria. He winds up preaching in Samaria. That's in the beginning of chapter eight. And, and I just, as I was reading his story, I could just, I could so on, on some small level, like relate to him because it's like every time Philip gets an idea or a plan in his head, um, his life changes. You know, you go to Jerusalem, you hear Peter preach. And instead of going home, you move in, <laughs> you sell everything, you work with this church and things are going good. Uh, you even get a prominent job and some responsibility and some respect. You're on this special committee, but, but, uh, all of a sudden your one of your friends is, is killed and you're running for your life to Samaria. And I can imagine if, if you're Philip wondering what God could possibly be doing in this. Where are these detours leading? Uh, and, if, and if I was in his shoes, I'd be saying, okay, when is this going to be over? When can I go back to Jerusalem and do my job? Uh, but, but he doesn't do that because all these seemingly random events, they, they put Philip in just the right place at just the right time. And so we're going to be starting from Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 27 through 35. Um, that's right. Sorry, I didn't do my slides good this time, church. Um, Acts 27, or 8, 27 through 35. Uh, this is what it says. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Uh, and this is a, a thing that the Bible uses with prophets most of the time. And it's, and it's a way of showing us that Philip 
um, is in this special listening relationship with God. It says, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip ran to Samaria and he's been preaching in Samaria. He's been telling people about Jesus in Samaria because, right, the good news that Jesus rose from the dead changes everything. And so he's been doing that wherever he is. Uh, but all of a sudden he encounters an angel and the angel says, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And, and if you look at it, verse 27, it just continues. It says, so he started out, right? Uh, no question, no hesitation. The angel says, go and Philip goes. In fact, many of the prophets don't even, don't even follow this as quickly. They, they question, they push back, they wonder, but no. Angel says, go, Philip goes. Something interesting is happening with Philip, isn't it? Um, I think his response is important because it comes out of what Philip has been doing so far. Uh, through this whole time, through all of these setbacks and all these detours, he's been practicing listening, listening to God. God has been training him since Jerusalem to know that when you follow God, detours are normal. Detours are often the destination. So Philip starts another detour. He's doing the thing that God has been teaching him, that he learned again and again and again. Uh, he's listening. And it, it continues. It says, and on his way, on his way down the road, Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, so, so Philip meets a, a eunuch. Uh, eunuchs in the uh, Jerusalem system, in the Jewish system, were not permitted to be a part of, of worship. But this eunuch uh, is one, someone that reads the Bible, that must believe in God, and we'll find that out later. So he's a, a eunuch, and he's also a high-level official. It says, uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Uh, so, so there's a eunuch going down the road, and it says, again, here's Philip back on the scene. It says, the spirit, not an angel this time, the spirit, and what it means by the spirit is God's Holy Spirit, who's given to all, uh, all Christians as a part of that new life, that same Holy Spirit that we talk about uh, leading us and growing us and how we love others. It says, the spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. And again, no hesitation. Uh, it says, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Uh, let, let's just stop a second. Philip ran. Not only, uh, not only did God say go and Philip went, the Holy Spirit said go and Philip didn't walk. He ran. He's like, this is it. This is the mission. I'm on a detour. The detour is the destination, right? He runs up to the chariot and you can imagine him kind of jogging next to the chariot. Hey, hey, how's, how are you doing? Um, and he's, he hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet, you know, he's running along the chariot and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Just to connect. I'm supposed to go there. Nobody tells Philip to do this, but, but he can sense it in that moment. He says, hey, that guy's reading, reading the Bible. He says, do you understand what you're reading? I love this, by the way, right? Picture Philip, you know, he's running next to the chariot. He's talking to this guy and he doesn't say anything special. Like he doesn't pull out a, a speech to give. He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't have a, a canned answer for this guy. He just says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And then he stops to listen. And from here on, we don't see uh, God's Holy Spirit speaking. It's not recorded. We don't uh, hear angels speaking because Philip knows what to do and what he needs to do in this moment to fulfill his mission. And God's, God's purpose is listen. Uh, 
And so he listens. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And, and he listens. And the eunuch, the Ethiopian says, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I, lo- I love that, right? Um, talk about like the perfect invitation. Philip listens and the eunuch invites him to join in the chariot, right? He can, he can kind of towel off a little bit and, and slow down. He says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me, who invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage that this, of scripture that the eunuch was reading. Uh, he was led like sheep to a slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Philip's still listening. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? This is Isaiah. Who's Who's Isaiah talking about? Himself or someone else? And we read uh, that Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus, about a God who sent his own son to live and silently die on the cross, carrying our sin. And then he rose again three days later, defeating death and sin and evil forever. Um, I, this sounds complicated, you know, maybe you know, Philip's got to understand how Isaiah works. But remember, this is a, a, Philip knows this because he's been, he's been taught it and he, he grew up on the scriptures. Um, and, and I think it's interesting to me because oftentimes for me, I think it's important to say the right words, right? That there are some special words, maybe a special argument or a formula that you can use to try and convince somebody about Jesus, You know, oftentimes when you talk about sharing hope, you know, people would try and steer the conversation, but you don't see Philip steering the conversation. He's, he's listening and, and responding. And oftentimes we think that we need the perfect argument or a tract or like a video. Hey, just go watch this video. That'll tell you about Jesus. That'll convince, convince you. But what I see in this story is Philip trying to share hope with someone and he, and he doesn't start with a speech. He invites Philip up onto the chariot and Philip doesn't launch in uh, to to his speech instead. Uh, He doesn't have any amazing words to say. Instead, all he does is he just answers the man's question as best as he can. And he trusts that God brought him to that chariot for a reason. He trusts that God is at work uh, preparing him. He trusts that if he listens to God and he listens to the person that God puts in front of him, God's Holy Spirit can work. Acts doesn't include what Philip said. It just says he told him the good news about Jesus. It doesn't doesn't include how he explained it or or what he said. And I think it's not there because that's not what the story's about. The story's not about what Philip said. It's about how he listens. It's about how he listens to the man, to the spirit, to the angel. And, And the man... Uh, if you finish the story, the man says, well, what's stopping me from being baptized? And, and Philip, again, he doesn't force, he doesn't say, hey, you should get baptized. He says, the, the man, the eunuch says, what's stopping me from getting baptized? And Philip listens. He says, nothing. Let's step down off the chariot. And he baptizes him. And, and in, the, in the scripture, Philip, Philip vanishes after that because his role is done. And he's so in tune with God. He listens so closely to God that, that God can literally grab him and pick him up in one place and put him down in the other. And he'll immediately, he immediately starts preaching in the next place that, that he winds up. 
with Philip's purpose accomplished, he, he vanishes and gets back to work somewhere else. And this is how the story of Philip ends uh, in, in the beginning of Acts. He's accomplished his mission. And, and I, I believe that this shows us that sharing hope with people is about one thing more than just about anything else. It's about listening. It's not about the words that you say. It's not about the things that you do. It's not about uh, anything else but, but first and foremost before everything else. We talked about praying for people, praying to God. But then the second step is always listening. Because um, had Philip not listened in the middle of his disruptions, had he not followed in the middle of those distractions and interruptions, he never would have made it to the place that God wanted him to be. I mean, again and again, imagine if uh, when the persecution came to Jerusalem, Philip said, oh, all right, well, I guess I have to, to wait to talk to people, to pray for people until the persecution is done. I guess I, I have to wait until this disruption. I can get back to my job of, of serving tables. You know, no. Had he not listened to God, Philip would have been nowhere near that eunuch and had he not listened to the eunuch, he never would have been able to share the gospel with him. I believe um, hope people listen to people and they listen to God. And, and we listen to people and we listen to God so that uh, when other people are ready to receive hope, we're ready to share it. Philip did not convince the Ethiopian eunuch. God brought him there, got him set up in the perfect spot. And Philip was there to just, just hand it to him. Hope people listen to God. When you listen to God, you become people who are able to share hope when others are ready to receive it. Hope people know that God is at work in every situation, in every moment, and in every distraction. So hope people are listening. We have to listen to God. Talk to that person. Listen to that person. Uh, hope people listen to the stories of the people that God puts in our path. We listen to their questions. We don't force our questions on them. We listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who leads us through what are going to be detours and disruptions and distractions. But, but really, those things that we think of as distractions, really, those are the mission of our whole lives. Imagine if Philip had waited until the disruption was over. He would have missed his life's calling. He would have missed the thing that got him written about in the book of Acts. As I've wrestled with um, Philip and his story this week, as I've occasionally in the last months been finding myself wanting to wish away these days, as I've been daydreaming about what it'll be like when it's all done and everything's back to normal, I keep getting hit with this question. And the way I hear it is, is it possible that God is trying to use this time to teach us to listen to him and to others like he taught Philip? The question we should be asking today, and I want to invite you to ask as you've been listening this morning, as you're sitting in your home, you've got your bread and, and your cup, your cup of coffee, and, and you're maybe too wrestling with the story of Philip, and you're wrestling with the distractions that they're in, is this, is what uh, maybe is God saying to you right now if, if we would listen and hear him. You know, maybe for you, you've never really trusted him all the way. You've done half measures or partial measures and you said, okay, God, I'll take care of my stuff. I'll give you uh, Sunday mornings. 
I'll give you some good behavior most of the time, but I'm gonna still hold on to my things. Maybe you've never really surrendered the direction of your life and accepted God's grace. Maybe you have, have never really started to listen to him. If that's you, I believe that God's spirit is inviting you to receive grace and forgiveness and his Holy Spirit today. Maybe uh, you're like I am sometimes and you've been trying to wish this time away or ignore it or numb yourself to it. I think maybe God's spirit is inviting you to stop running and start listening to what he has to say. And maybe you're finding yourself more and more frustrated. Maybe you're feeling angry or isolated. Perhaps God, uh, and, and you're just getting, you're getting frustrated with others and other people say and do things and it just, it just makes you mad and you get hot. Maybe that's you. And, and if that's the case, maybe God's spirit is inviting you to listen even to the people that are driving you crazy in your house right now. Listen, even to the people that are driving you crazy, not to convince or argue, but to just hear where people are coming from. Um, as we, as we conclude this, I, I want us all to take a moment uh, to take a step closer uh, to God, to take a step closer and, and open our often unhearing ears to listen to his voice as we pray together. Um, because the most important thing during this time is, is to remember that, right, Jesus died and rose again and that changes everything. It transforms all of our struggles into something different. And so I want us to take a moment to recommit or commit ourselves to being forgiven and transformed and, and to listening to, to God's voice together. And so uh, I hope you would, you would pray this uh, prayer with me. God, I have often, I have often closed my eyes and my ears to you. I've closed my eyes and my ears to you and other people, I've sinned and it hurts you and it hurts others. But Lord, I believe because of your son, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin and rose again to defeat death, because of your son, would you forgive me? And by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you make me new? I want to listen to your voice and follow you from now on, Lord. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer or something like that today, if God has called you back to him to lay down your own attempts to, to do it all right, to pretend that the stuff that you do doesn't really hurt yourself or others, if, if you prayed that prayer today and you, you confessed your sins, I want to tell you that God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If, if God is working on you, if you finally today accepted God's grace for your own shortcomings and failures, I would love to talk to you after the service. Send me a message. Give me a call. I want to pray for you. Um, I really do believe that our world today in this moment, maybe more than other moments, is in desperate need of listeners. We have enough talkers. We have enough certain people. We have enough right people. What we need are people that can listen to God and others. So I would hope as we go from this week that we would all 
have our ears open to what God has to say. And we would have our ears open to the people that God puts in our path. Uh, as we take communion together, and, and every day this week, I, I invite you to use this time to listen to him. Uh, say, God, give me somebody to listen to today. You can pray this every day. And as we take the bread and the cup together, listen for the Spirit's voice. Maybe he'll, he'll put a name or two on your heart. Maybe it's somebody to reach out to. Maybe it's somebody in your house. Maybe it's someone who will cross your path today and you definitely won't feel like listening to them. But instead, uh, hear, hear God's call and, and just really ask, hey, how are you doing? No agenda, no formula, because hope people know that God is at work in every person and in every situation and in every moment. And that often distractions are not distractions, but destinations. So may we be people who listen to the stories of the people that God puts in our path. May we be people who listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And may we trust that God is at work even in this. So that we will be found with open ears, even though life is interrupted. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.